You're listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. This is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Home of Bar Canada, a north-of-the-border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra-smooth, Arizona-owned. Behind the mask, whether you're on ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized koozies and shower shoes at icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the icetimehockeysw.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothfarb. All right, welcome in hockey fans, professional hockey fans as it may be. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, as always, Rob Rothfarb from beautiful, wonderful, perfect temperature, Southern California. Rob, how are you tonight? I am excellent, Scott. Thank you very much. And how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, it's going to be a really fun night, Rob, because we've got so much stuff we could go four or five hours. <laughs> easily, easily, uh, and, the, and the and the specialty shows easily could have gone five to seven hours and still not touch the <laughs> scratch the surface of it. Uh, that's the beauty of it, though, Rob, because that gets people wanting more, right? I mean, we had the NHL draft, we had the expansion draft, which, as you mentioned, we did some special shows for. We had schedule releases. Now, in two days, we're going to have free agency. So a flood of uh, uh, trade activity is expected before that. Then signings, and will, will people go to, to new homes? Will they not go anywhere? Will people retire? We already saw a couple, uh, at least one Arizona Coyote retire. Um, so there's all kinds of uh, things going on. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Plus, we're bringing on an Arizona native that played uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska with the Ice Dogs, played at RPI, then played a year uh, with Minnesota State Mankato, and uh, now has signed a professional contract to become a professional hockey player with the Manitoba Moose. Todd Burgess is going to join us in about 15 minutes or so. So an exciting energy pack night. Uh, before we even do anything else, we were going to get to the schedule release. And I know you had some stuff from, from the California team. So give us some highlights of what you saw on that. Let's start with that right now, Rob. Uh, well, I'll go in alphabetical order. Uh, so I'll start with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, their first two games are at home. They play the Jets and Wild 10-14 uh, and 10-10. So opening night is the 12th. They don't go for a couple more nights. So they have to, uh, you know, a couple more practices before they get to uh, hit the road. Their first road game is against the Flames on 10-18. Uh, here's very, something very interesting. The Ducks-Jets, three of the first nine games they play each other. And the Ducks and Wild, two of the first nine games. Uh, that so, will be exciting. It will build up some early animosity. Uh, <laughs> yes, it will. Here's an interesting interesting thing for the uh, Ducks, depending on where they stand in the standings at the time. Because of the shutdown from February 7th to about the 25th, I think it is, 
there will be only two games for the Ducks in February. The Kings. Oh, my goodness. Where there's five for the Kings, four for the Sharks. So two games in the month of February for the Anaheim Ducks. So, uh, and then the Ducks host the Lightning on April 16th. Kings, Ducks, 419 and 423. So towards the end of the season, the couple of crucial games that could be either for draft picks, positioning, or maybe even for playoffs, depending on how that shakes out. Uh, they have uh, 15 games in March and then 13 in April. So they go two, 15, and 13. <laughs> that is crazy. And I guess one way to look at it is if you're hurt, it's great. You guys can get healthy again. But if you're playing well, that would be something I would think a coach would not like at all. I can't imagine that because it's a lot of time that they're just practicing with themselves. And I don't know what the rules are as far as during the shutdown, uh, the 7th to the 25th, how much they could be practicing. So they may have to be shut down altogether and they have their, you know, individual workouts or private practices type of thing. Uh, but that, that will be interesting. Uh, as we progress, uh, I'm going to delve into that a little bit more and find out uh, exactly what, uh, what is the rules and the uh, standard during that time. Yeah, good stuff. What do you got next? Uh, I have the LA Kings. Uh, so the LA Kings, and you'll be interested in this. Their home opener and season opener is against the Golden Knights on 10-14. And then the <laughs> Wild Kings on 10-16. Uh, the first road game for the Kings uh, is against the Predators. Uh, they, open the play- they open the season with three straight playoff teams. And then they have two back-to-back games uh, of out of nine. Out of nine games played, they have two back-to-backs. So four games out of nine within a couple of days. Uh, and then they played the blues two straight games in, in uh, October 10, 23 and 10, 25. So again, uh, they played the blues three times in the first 10 games, including those two straight. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, and they'll be done for the year uh, by, I believe the 25th of October. So it's interesting. Some of the scheduling they did, I understand it's going to be, you want division games towards the end of the season. Uh, Whereas the first game versus the Ducks is not until November 30th. First game versus the Sharks is not until January 17th. So the first game against the Ducks is the 21st game of the season. First game against the Sharks is the 42nd game of the season. (laughs) There's always scheduling quirks. I guess there's no way you're going to get around that, but that really is odd. Yeah, and then they play the Ducks two of the last five games. (laughs) Yeah, go figure, right? So, So, like, I talked about the Ducks having 15 and 13 games. Uh, they have uh, 16 games in March, 12 in April. So April becomes a little lighter for the Kings. Uh, if it's a playoff push, it helps, like you talked about earlier, with a uh, you know the injuries and whatnot. Uh, the Sharks, honestly, they didn't have a lot going on as far as really that jumped out. Their home openers on 10-16 against the Jets. Uh, the next five games are on the road, which is an Eastern trip. Then they come home for five straight games. First game versus the Kraken is 12-14. They, uh, vi- the Lightning visit San Jose on January 22nd. They end the season with the Kraken. They have four games in February, 14 in March, but a heavy April of 16. So just a little bit of a recap uh, since we didn't get to do it the other night. Uh, actually, last Monday night. It seems like forever ago since we did so many shows in between. <laughs> uh, but just some interesting Southern California or uh, California, let, let's say that, California uh, hockey team schedule release. 
All right, and of course, with the Vegas Golden Knights, the big thing on their uh, on their schedule is they're going to open uh, Tuesday night, August uh, October twelfth, against the Seattle Kraken. So the two newest additions to the NHL, uh, and then also that night we'll have the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So good matchup on Tuesday, August uh, August. What do I keep <laughs> saying that October twelfth to get things underway. Um, Colorado, which of course is in our coverage area, but has now moved to the Central Division along with the uh, Arizona Coyotes as things get back to normal. Um, they won't start until Wednesday the 13th, and uh, the Coyotes, uh, I'm sorry, Colorado will uh, be at home against Chicago, and then the uh, Arizona Coyotes will not start until the 14th, and they'll be on the road at Columbus, and we talked about Columbus's draft. I don't think that's going to affect them uh, this year, but uh, Columbus is a, a team that uh, was pretty much gutted and is now in the rebuild mode, and so are the Coyotes. So that might be a matchup of two rebuilding programs. And, and you'll get to see whose farm team is better and because whoever wins that game, just see who's ahead of the other as far as being a young team and up-and-coming team. Okay, so a couple things I want to get in before we uh, get to our guest here in about five minutes or so. Um, you know, we talked about the draft and the winners in the draft, and, I, you know, I have to say, uh, as I said on our two special shows, I've kind of been uh, a show-me guy for the Arizona Coyotes. Show me that you're ready to win. Show me that you're doing the right things. And uh, at least Bill Armstrong showed me that he uh, has a lot of courage. He spent a lot of time, and uh, he made some really gutsy decisions to go from as bleak as the draft looked three weeks ago, four weeks ago, to what he came away with uh, is pretty incredible. And uh, I give him a lot of credit for making the moves. I also think he bought back a lot of fans with the uh, the signing or the drafting of uh, Josh Doan at number 37 in the second round. A lot of people said, oh, that's a reach. That's a reach. Well, who knows? But what I do know is um, it made a lot of people in Arizona happy, and there were a lot of people in Arizona that weren't happy prior to that. And not only that, but – there are a lot of people that were on edge because if he ended up, as we talked about, in Los Angeles or Vegas, uh, there'd be a, a lot more season ticket holders saying bye-bye to the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, without a doubt. I even think if he'd ended up in Anaheim, that would have been a thing. But uh, the, the rivalry that the Coyotes and the Kings have already had for years is uh, is something that I don't think uh, a general manager would able to live down if that had happened. And the new rivalry with the Vegas Golden Knights, although now – not quite as intense because it will uh, it'll separate the two teams with their conferences. But um, it's going to be nice to get back to normal, and I say that with air quotes because uh, if you see what's going on with the, the COVID numbers again, good Lord, please do not let that happen again to us. So if you uh, can get vaccinated, uh, my, my uh, recommendation is get vaccinated. Um, I've been vaccinated. It, it's totally safe. Um, no, I didn't have any side effects. I have more side effects from, from the flu vaccine. And, and I know that, yet, you know, it's still not proven. I mean, people are still getting COVID, even though they've been vaccinated. But we hope that the symptoms aren't as severe. Well, that's what they're saying. And I, I agree with you. I, I'm vaccinated as well. My whole family is. Uh, but we still wear masks at times. Uh, and, you know, when I'm in the rink, I'll be wearing my mask as well. And 
uh, especially doing the interviews six feet away. So I'm going to take every precaution. Uh, I hope that it doesn't lead to shutdowns. It's just it's scary how the numbers are really getting back to where uh, they were when we did shut down everything. Uh, that's why in in uh, L.A. and uh, I believe California in general inside when you're inside, you need to wear a mask. If you're outside, you're you're vaccinated. You're good. If you unvaccinated, you're supposed to wear a mask. But I, I hope it gets back to normal. Like and you, like you said, with air quotes, just because all these divisional matchups are not going to be the same and fun. If that's all they do is just division, if they have to revamp the schedule because of the COVID numbers. So, and I think in the NFL, I think they were saying, if you're not getting vaccinated and your team doesn't have enough players, you'll have to forfeit the game. So it'll be interesting to see. And and pay money. (laughs) Right. Right. So we'll see if the NHL takes that type of stand uh, with their players. Cause it seems like the NHL doesn't have as big of an issue as the NFL does with the, uh, getting of vaccinations. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it differently. Uh, it seems like they're more amenable to it. Uh, but we'll yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, it, it's different. Everybody's got their own thing, but I think that's probably uh, a statement that we can say is true is that the NHL is kind of the leader. As I've been saying over the whole pandemic, they're kind of the leader in everything. They were the leaders to get back into action uh, in their bubble and, and all those types of things. So I, I think, I think they're in good shape. So we'll hope on that. I know one thing I've missed Rob is uh, a lot of the, uh, the practice interviews because that's where you really get to know the guys a little bit. You don't get a lot of time, but you get the one-on-one time. And that's really something that uh, you just can't do uh, on a uh, zoom call or a group zoom call. Cause there's questions that, that, that I like to ask that other people don't ask. So Uh, Hopefully that will happen. In the meantime, let's take a quick break and uh, hear from a couple of our partners, and then we'll be right back, and hopefully we'll have our guest, Todd Burgess, on with us in about two minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circa Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at circusports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at circusports.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old. player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. 
thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of Summer Skate, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. If you live in the valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. You're listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas, the hotel, resort, casino. Everything that you like about downtown Las Vegas starts at the D. Uh, Scott Strandy with you in Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host as always, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from beautiful Southern California. And as we wait to get connected with our special guest tonight, Rob, I'm going to let you dig in just a little bit to what you saw in the draft. Uh, we talked about it on the special episodes, but uh, didn't get the time that we'd like. So give us a little breakdown on what you saw in the draft. What did you like? What didn't you like? What surprised you? What didn't surprise you? Uh, well, I, it's what surprised me is the number of Michigan players going in the top five. I mean, you know, you'd hear and you see mock drafts, but still, when you see three or five from one school and you wonder what could have been, <laughs> uh, you know, in the, in the uh, playoffs in, in the uh, tournament last year. Uh, but Buffalo did well. Uh, so you saw a lot of size being taken, uh, a lot of size and speed, and you saw a lot of brothers taken. So uh, it was the family affair. It was Michigan. Uh, and, you know, I really think it was the Owen Powers uh, tr- uh, draft. Yeah, well, everybody knew that Owen was going to be the uh, the first pick. Um, and uh, like I said, Luke Hughes, uh, the third of the Hughes brothers to be selected, uh, very excited. Um, so it should be uh, it, it should be a real exciting time. So um, we should uh, – I think we'll have Todd here in just a second. I think he's calling in right now. So if he can get through, uh, we'll connect him. I think we might have him. So uh, yeah, let's uh, – Hey, we're doing well, Todd. How are you? Good, Scott. Todd. Good, Scott good. and Thanks Rob with me. you tonight. <laughs> uh, okay, so you and I talked uh, before you went to a national tournament with uh, Minnesota State, Mankato, and uh, didn't work out the way you guys had planned, but it was a Frozen Four appearance and the first for the school. Now you make the big step and you sign a professional contract. So first of all, congratulations. Second of all, tell us how that all came about. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was, uh, like you said, we came up a bit short there. Um but it was an awesome run. It was a, a great experience just having my family out there and uh, having all my uh, family that couldn't make it and friends that couldn't make it. Being able to watch it on TV was was awesome for them and, and definitely for myself. Um, and then uh, I was lucky enough to get into contact with Manitoba um, a couple weeks after the season. So um, we were able to 
come to terms with a contract pretty quick. And uh, that kind of uh, helped me not have to stress about it all summer and I could have something to uh, set my goals on. So that was uh, really big for me um, at the start of the summer. So let me ask you this, and then Rob will jump in and we'll kind of alternate questions on you. But uh, first of all, have you been to Winnipeg? I have not. Oh, what a city. What a city. It's wonderful until wintertime, Todd. (laughs) And then have a nice warm coat. But you spent some time in Alaska, so that'll be okay. But what a great building to play in up there. Uh, What a great facility and a really solid organization. So did that have a lot to do with it, or or how did the – the connection with uh, Manitoba come into play? Um, going through the process when I was drafted in uh, 2016, I was um, talking to one of their head scouts, uh, Max Geis, and uh, was talking to him a few times, and that was one of the teams that I thought I could potentially get drafted by. So um, once he saw I was a free agent last year, he was in touch with me um, a few times throughout the year, and then uh, more so towards the end, and and I think that was a big part, just having that that connect. And I've heard great things. We had a um, a player, CJ Seuss here. He's told a lot of good stories about it up there, and how good the fans are, and the the city is with hockey. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting up there in uh, middle of September here. Well, I got I have to say, uh, first of all, to see kids that I have officiated when they were playing. Uh, high-level hockey, now being drafted. Congratulations on that. Uh, when you were with the 16U uh, Junior Coyotes, I, I know I, I remember the name. Uh, That's from, awesome. Thank from, you. From the, <laughs> from the back of the jersey. Uh, so it's, it's great to see. Uh, you know, just talk a little bit about uh, you know, hockey in Arizona and also just your climb to professional hockey. Yeah, it was definitely different uh, growing up in Arizona, especially when we were young. We were younger. It wasn't uh, as big. It's definitely grown uh, tremendously since then. I think. Um, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think. I especially living out here in Minnesota, hearing about all the uh, high school hockey and stuff. It's just such a different culture in Arizona, and I think uh, um, it brings you closer to the guys you play. So you're playing with the same guys in Arizona. Not many guys are are coming in. Um, so the team's always pretty much the same. So that was a, a real cool part about growing up there. I've made friendships I'll have forever. Um, and then just finding different connections in Arizona. My uh, assistant coach um, growing up for the junior coyotes, Ken Boothler was a, uh, a scout for the ice dogs. And um, that was something I never thought I'd um, a team I'd make when I was 17. I think I thought I was uh, definitely going to have to keep making that, that next step and play uh, 18s. And I was uh, lucky enough to have him as a kind of a resource and him to get me out to uh, the open camp. And it kind of went from there. So it's been a great journey so far. Todd, and we talk about playing NCAA hockey and you had a chance to play at RPI and then at Minnesota state. And uh, everybody talks about, you know, we want to win a national championship. We want to get to the frozen four, all of those things. We want to get a tournament invite. Um, was it everything that you expected even during a COVID year? to uh, make it into the tournament, make it to the Frozen Four? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this past year in, in Mankato, I um, I think with, with the COVID year, especially with no fans and kind of us having to stay in a tight bubble all season, so um, we're, not, we're not popping positive tests for COVID and having to uh, miss a weekend. Um, I think that just brought our team closer, and I think that was a big, big part of our uh, – um, 
step throughout the season. I think uh, even with practices and stuff, I've never been part of a team that has taken practice so serious each each and every day. It just made uh, the uh, the the games on the weekends on Fridays and Saturdays so much easier because we've been uh, pushing the pace all week. Now you're going from uh, that type of work ethic in college to a professional team. What is what is your summer looking like? Knowing that you're uh, pushing to be, uh, you know, a player on on Manitoba's team. I think, um, especially with me kind of being an older guy going into pro, I think um, just making sure I I don't have any excuses when I get there. I've been uh, down in uh, Mankato skating with the team and and working out with the team, so I won't have any excuses uh, being in shape. And then. Um, when I get there, just just be ready to rock, have my confidence up, and I think uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. being able to finally play hockey and not have to worry about school and and just uh, focus on the game. I think that's going to be uh, huge. Okay, I want to ask you this, and maybe you can explain it for a lot of people that don't understand the draft process. But um, this weekend, we just had the amateur draft, and uh, a couple of Arizona guys got picked, and Josh Doan, and uh, of course Matthew Nyes, and. Um, you go on the list, Red Savage. Uh, but um, when you get drafted, you're so young, right? And it goes through what happens and, and how does the expiration of your, your draft rights come to fruition? And uh, did you have talks with Ottawa that, that originally drafted you and then they just didn't work out? Or how did that all play out? Um, well, just getting into the whole uh, draft process, it was an unbelievable thing to go through just to have – to be able to go through with your family and friends and, and that entire process. I think um, Ottawa had my rights um, all four years at RPI. Um, for me, it was kind of a different journey because I was at an all-time high so quick uh, getting drafted. That was a dream of mine since I started playing. And then um, that next year, I had to get double knee surgery and, and sit out the year. So it was kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, just a real shift in my life there and kind of humbles you and, and that that was something I went through, and, and I'm I'm happy I went through it at the end of the day. And uh, but with that with that being said, we just uh, Ottawa and I, and I kind of mutually um, after my last year in RPI just mutually separated, just because they um, haven't been great the past few years. They've had so many prospects coming in. I think um, me being a free agent after that year was my uh, best fit, and and I'm glad I did that for sure. But it was it was a uh, it was an honor to be drafted by Ottawa and be part of their organization for the time I was. And I'm uh, looking forward to uh, joining the new organization in uh, Winnipeg. Now, do you set goals for yourself, like short-term, mid-term, long-term type of goals? And uh, and if you do, what's, what are some of those goals? I think, yeah, I, I definitely do. I think that's what uh, keeps me motivated um, every year, I think. During the summer, I like I said, just just staying in shape and and kind of working on my my mindset and stuff. I think that's uh, the biggest part of hockey is making sure you're staying confident, staying positive, because um, that's your that's your biggest battle, I think, in my opinion. And um, those are kind of short term goals and stuff with the summer. And then my long term goals are are definitely staying in uh, up in Manitoba and then um, hopefully getting called up at some point. What's the uh, what's the process right now? You said mid September you're going to be up there, uh, go through your training camp and uh, and go from there and see where things end up. But 
Uh, anything that's been said from uh, the Manitoba organization about what they'd like you to do or what they'd like you to achieve in order to take that next step? Yeah, we uh, the team does uh, every two weeks. We, we send in um, different tests and stuff to uh, make sure we're staying in shape. And that's kind of the only process we've been going through um, lately. I think we'll be uh, more in touch throughout the summer. I think they've been just focusing on the uh, draft and their prospects right now. So um, I look I look forward to uh, getting up there in middle of September should be around where camp is and then uh, really excited to start the season in October. You're listed as a center right wing. What do you what do you prefer to play? Uh, what are you going to be playing for uh, Manitoba? And uh, if it uh, so just talk about that. Yeah, I uh, a lot a lot more comfortable right now playing uh, right wing, um, but can definitely play center if if that's where uh, they need me to get into the lineup. I I played uh, right wing basically throughout my college career, but um, all my junior career I was a center. So I think uh, right now uh, I'm, I'm more familiar with wing because that's what I've been playing. But I think I wouldn't be too hard to make that step to center if that's what I need to do. Todd, over the years, um, the NCAA programs have gotten better and better. The coaches have gotten better. The facilities are better, uh, things like that. Way back when when I uh, graduated and went to the University of Minnesota Duluth, that's back in 1980. <laughs> we, yeah. we, uh, we, we didn't have the same thing. I mean, I went there on a golf scholarship and ended up being a, a practice player because there weren't even practice players sometimes uh, that, that they had on the rosters. But can you explain and tell our uh, our audience a little bit about how good NCAA hockey is as far as preparing you for that next level? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, both at RPI and Mankato, the facilities were uh, were unbelievable. Um, whether it's the hot tubs, cold tubs, uh, we've we've even got a steam room here in Mankato, which is just an absolute treat for everybody here. Um, especially with even travel, it's been it's been great and. Um, we flew almost everywhere this year in, in Minnesota, which was great. And then um, during the tournament, we were uh, each team was given their own plane, and that's just um, that's awesome to go through. And, and it was an experience I'll definitely remember. So um, I think the NCAA does a really good job moving guys on and getting them to that next step. Quick follow up to that, Rob, if I can. But you know, for years, Todd uh, used to be if you if you wanted to make it to the NHL quickly, you had to play uh, uh, Canadian Major Junior Hockey. Uh, then the NCAA uh, sharpened their blades, if you will, and the USHL sharpened their blades, and the NAHL sharpened their blades. Um, over the last what six eight years, have you seen uh, that sharpening from a player's perspective as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... I don't know. This is just my opinion. I think uh, there's more tests and studies coming out with guys getting injured and, and how quick things can turn. And I think guys are seeing that maybe going the education route is uh, is is the route for them. And that was definitely something I uh, focused on when I was younger. I think it's always good to have an education afterwards. And and like you said, the facilities nowadays and the travel and stuff is uh, something that's bringing a lot more kids into the NCAA. I think. Well, can you can you speak to uh, playing at Minnesota State versus RPI? Like, what, uh, what two top-notch programs? Uh, what separates them? Was better different coaching styles? What, talk a little bit about that. I think it's 
I think it's a kind of di- it, it is different because um, my time at RPI uh, was recruited by a different coach and um, bringing in a new a new coach after my freshman year. I think that for any program, it's kind of you have to go through that rebuilding process. He doesn't have all the uh, resources he's used to and and the players that he um, has recruited. So I think that was that was the the difference maker between RPI and Mankato is. Um, when I got there, it's basically my first season um, was the start of the rebuild year. And then coming into Mankato, um, it, w- it was a lot different just because they had had a winning culture before and and uh, was able to step in and, and we made that good run this year. So um, just the coaching change in the uh, rebuilding process would be the, the biggest thing that I'd have to say um, difference between both of those schools. Todd, I don't know if I told you this before, but I grew up not far from uh, where uh, Coach Hastings uh, coached way back, way back 25 years ago in Crookston when he was a junior college uh, coach there. So I've known him for a number of years. Uh, I know he's intense. I know he really wants things. I kind of laughed because uh, when I talked to Paul Allen when I was in uh, Mankato this past season, um, he, he said the first thing that that coach did when he got there was tell him to crank down the uh, the cooling in the building because he wanted that <laughs> ice a little more frozen. Uh, yeah, can you give us like a story it. or two about Coach Hastings and and how uh, intense he is? Yeah, he's he is a very intense guy, but I think that is uh, that's part of the winning culture here. It's uh, like I said, the practices are um, always intense and, and very hard each each and every day, but. Um, kind of so, some of those days when you're having a droggy day it's kind of tougher um but at the end of the day <laughs> with with practice and or with uh once you hit friday and saturday it, it almost feels like um you've already been doing it all week so um he was Let he me... was big on uh even just the intimidating factors we we just have we'd have video before practice and then he'd say all right better be ready to go stands up and just walks out and we're we know we're in for one that day so um <laughs> Yeah, that's just kind of the, the coach he is. But outside of the rink, he's he's really easy to talk to and uh, have a conversation with really good guys, someone I'll uh, definitely keep in touch with uh, in, in the future. Let me tell you something as well about uh, Coach Saratori at Air Force. Uh, I was talking to him about his practices and, and life at the Air Force Academy, and he said when his guys get done at the, their day at the Air Force Academy, they look forward to coming to practice because it's the easiest part of their day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's I, the opposite for us. <laughs> so I, I totally get the uh, the best part of the, the the week being the weekends and the games. So um, was there anything special that happened at Minnesota State this year that pushed you guys over the top? I I don't know if there was a, a specific moment, but um, I think just when, once we once we won the McNaughton, uh, I think we which is the um, having the the best record in the WCHA uh, before playoffs and, and being first in the division, I think that was kind of a an eye opener for a lot of us, knowing that um, we can win this, we can kind of win it all, and um, how, how special of a group we had. I think uh, just right before going into playoffs, I think that was really good. And then another big uh, eye opener for us was when we lost to uh, Northern Michigan in the playoffs, um, and I think maybe we. That was a that was a big thing for our group because we were able to kind of take a step back and know that uh, we didn't want to get too high before playoffs and and uh, it kind of humbled us a little and I think that was uh, if I had to pick one that'd have to be the biggest turning point in the season. Hey Todd, uh, 
think back to when you were younger. I have a I have a son. He's a pitcher. He's going to uh, a D two school uh, in the fall to pitch. But I knew at eight nine years old that he his trajectory was was just starting and and it's uh, the ceiling is unlimited. When did you know that professional hockey is what you wanted to do and what you knew you could do? I think it was when. Um... I think it was after my first year in Fairbanks or maybe just the whole year in Fairbanks. Just, um, I don't, I don't think I did, I started having real uh, goals and, and determinations and stuff until after I made that team. I, like I said, I wasn't even sure I was just going to an open camp. It wasn't even a main camp to get into Fairbanks and, um, making it through those camps and then making it through the last cuts and stuff. I, that's when I kind of knew that, um, this is something that I'd want to do, um, professionally and, as long as I can and um Fairbanks um as cold as it was and how tough the living <laughs> conditions it was it was I couldn't have asked for a better place to play junior hockey just uh the town is unbelievable they're all about the all about uh the team and, and going to the games and making it uh, a, a lot more special than it than it could have been um and I think just my time there was was a big uh stepping stone in my career and then, and then a quick follow-up because I watched my son play out in Palm Springs and watching these little kids with his, and my son signing autographs. How cool is the feeling the first time a little kid comes up to you and wants your autograph? Yep, that's yeah. Like I said, that's just my time. I, I couldn't pick one specific time when that when that kind of clicked. But like you said, signing an autograph and, and when it's real and, and you're going through it, it's something special and um, it's something that you're gonna keep. Uh, want to pursue throughout your life for sure. Okay, so you're spending the the summer in uh, my home state of Minnesota, albeit I haven't been a resident there for 30 years. But <laughs> one thing I do keep tabs on, Todd, is is the hockey in Minnesota. And uh, when St. Thomas announced that they were going D1, and there were now going to be what six teams all D1 in the state of Minnesota. You've yep. been there for the summer now. You've been there for the school year. Um, what's the talk like up there? It's definitely a hockey state. It's something that um, just growing up in Arizona and, and and playing throughout my life, I didn't I didn't go through. It was something here where it's all – every, every uh, initial con- conversation is about hockey and about the season or about their kids playing on the pond or – I don't know. I think it's just – it's so cool that it's a uh, kind of a hockey culture throughout all of Minnesota. And, and that's why they, they have six teams in the NCAA because um, that's where you're going to draw in fans. And that's where a lot of fans want um, their teams to be kind of central. So um, they can come out to as many games as possible. Okay. So, so from a distance, I'm sure you've seen the NCAA this year and, uh, prior to the, the pandemic, um, things were really rolling good for NCAA hockey. Then a lot of people thought the pandemic was going to derail some teams, and I think it did. Uh, but then they kind of bounced back, and it's up and down. There's 60 teams, and there's 61, and then 62, and then back to 60. Uh, what's your overall thought now that you are uh, uh, concluded your NCAA career? What's your overall thought about the health of NCAA hockey? Have you thought about that at all? Uh, not too much. What do you mean by what do you mean by health? Well, with all the teams in, in the league, I mean, uh, you know, 
I rely on Coach Territory a lot. We call him the, the czar of college hockey because he's had so many years of experience. But, you know, Robert Morris's program went away, and, and then Huntsville's went away and came back, and uh, Alaska uh, at Anchorage is, is trying to survive, and LIU came on board in the middle of the pandemic, and, of course, Arizona State, uh, one of the newest members, is thriving, and Lindenwood's talking about coming on board. So when you look at NCAA hockey, do you think it's in a good state right now? Yeah, and I well, I think it's it's tough to tell if uh, the the team's gonna stick. I don't know if you can you can tell if you're gonna draw in enough fans. And and I think I think you guys could definitely get behind this. I think they should uh, definitely start moving teams out to the West Coast and and getting uh, maybe a division that ASU can join out there. Um, that's my opinion. I think kind of um, having another team coming in Long Island. There's there's I think there's enough teams out in the East Coast and. Definitely in the Midwest. I think if you keep pushing it to the West Coast, it could make travel a little harder, but um, maybe it could add a couple more tournaments or something and um, kind of make it in a, a West Coast thing would be great. I think that'd be big for all states involved there, especially Arizona. How big would it be to for ASU uh, if to have to only go to Colorado and and, and West <laughs> to, have, right. to have games, yeah. uh, you know, to see the expansion to grow that much? Yeah, that would be awesome. And then um, I think that'd be more incentive for uh, younger kids to, to make it to more college games and, and have more kids want to uh, set goals to play in the NCAA um, at some point in their lives. Okay, so here's your chance to give some advice to a young Arizona player that might be listening or anybody in the West or basically anybody anywhere. But um, what does it take uh, to get to your level? And uh, how, how young should you start? Uh, working on that dream? I think uh, the number one thing should be is to make sure you're having fun with it. I think, especially at a young age, not putting too much pressure on yourself and, and thinking that you need to do too much to get to the next level. I think if you're enjoying it and and having fun with it, I think um, you you have a plan and and it's going to take off at some time. I don't think there's any rush, especially um, for me, I, I didn't hit puberty till, later in my career um, and was still confident myself. I think confidence is, I said before, your mind's, I think, a huge part of your game. If you're confident, you're playing at your best and um, you're not going to be confident if you're not having fun and uh, staying positive and just knowing that um, there is a plan and and just uh, work out the process and, and, and don't rush things. I, I totally agree. It's if nobody believe if you don't believe in yourself, how is anybody else going to believe in you? So I, it all starts yeah, from believing with yourself. I totally agree. Now that you're a professional, uh, are you going to be going back to the state of Arizona, back to Phoenix, uh, to promote the game of hockey more? Yeah, I uh, I'm leaving um, tomorrow for family to meet up with my family in Florida for a week, and then I'll be back in Arizona for a month to uh, train there. Um, I think just hockey in Arizona is growing. Uh, tremendously, I think. I you saw Matthews out there with McDavid and and these big name guys uh, skating in the summers in Arizona. I don't think anybody would have thought of that. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back out to Arizona, and um, I think that's going to be a big part of my training is skating with those guys and and uh, getting out on the ice with those guys. 
Okay, final one, and we'll let you go, and we definitely appreciate your time. I know you've got lots of things to do, and, and I appreciate short notice jumping on. You're welcome anytime, by the way. No problem. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I want to ask you about this. Uh, when you get to Manitoba, um, uh, we talked a little bit about expectations and things like that, but are there people there uh, within the organization that you know, other players that you've met in at different places, and um, that you what are some of the things that you are personally looking forward to maybe that first month of the season? Yeah. Like I said, uh, I don't know CJ Seuss personally, but I've known uh, kind of of him from uh, the, what he's done for the team here and, and the guys that have known him here. And uh, I know one guy, Dylan Sandberg uh, through a friend that um, really good guy as well. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting up and playing with. And uh, I think, I'm most excited for is just kind of getting up there and getting acclimated to everything. And uh, the home opener has got to be um, something that's going to be real special to be a part of. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Continue the great work. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. And uh, like I said, anytime you want to come on and talk, uh, you're more than welcome to, and we'll be following your career. Hopefully get a chance to see you play some games as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Todd Burgess, the uh, one of the newest members of the uh, Manitoba Moose and an Arizona native and uh, a nice dog and uh, an engineer and uh, a maverick. He's been around uh, the hockey world. We appreciate him coming on with us. Rob and I are going to take another quick break and we'll be back to wrap up another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. This is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sports books at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes.
You're listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel, Resort, and Casino right on Fremont Street in beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Scott Strandy with you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. The monsoons have let up for a day or two, so uh, we just have muggy, hot weather. Rob Rothfarb in that beautiful Southern California location. Um, I'm so jealous every time I say it. I just shouldn't even say it anymore. Um, <laughs> Rob, you know you know the drill by now. Uh, every time we have a guest on, I know what I heard and, and how I feel about it. I want to hear how you felt about it and what you heard from Todd Burgess. Uh, what a great kid, honestly. Uh, I honestly do remember seeing the name on the back of his jersey when I officiated uh, the 16U AAA team. Uh, against the uh, LA Junior Kings, uh, just just a, a stand-up kid. Uh, talked about uh, being injured all the way through. Uh, what turned it around for him as far as being going to the open camp? Uh, it's a good lesson for kids that you know what? It's not an easy road, and if you don't have strength, if you don't have perseverance, but mostly what he what I took from it is he has a lot of belief in himself. And if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. He spent four years at RPI and then he uh, used his fifth year to uh, go to Minnesota State Mankato. And I know uh, Coach Mike Hastings there really wanted Todd bad. Um, he was a leader, an older player, uh, and I think he was a very integral part in uh, getting the Mavericks into the NCAA Frozen Four. And uh, the game he was talking about that turned things for them uh, when he said they played in their conference tournament, they lost to Northern Michigan. I was at that game, and I thought, darn it, <laughs> I better leave. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> that, I remember that. I remember <laughs> you talking about that. It, it doesn't sound good that I come to watch him play for the first time and they lose. But then I redeemed myself, I think, because I went to the West Regional. I watched them beat Minnesota and advance on to the uh, NCAA tournament, and uh, Frozen Four, I should say. And uh, when I was there, uh, they redeemed themselves. They, they played a shutdown game against a powerhouse at Minnesota, and uh, it was uh, really incredible. Um, so getting back to the professional ranks, the draft is over now. The positions have been placed. Um, winners and losers, Rob. Uh, winners and losers of the draft. Uh... Buffalo is a winner. Columbus yeah, is a winner. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think the, I think the uh, Coyotes are a winner. Honestly, I think they Very did also. well. Uh, you know, it'll be TBD to, uh, about the Kraken. Uh, you know, as far as losers, I, I you know. I, I have to stop it. Don't go down with the Islanders right now because you no, know no, no, somebody's no, no. listening. It's it's just that it's it's more that uh, I think you got to look at trades as well uh, with some of the teams that you know, like the Flyers. You know, I always wonder what what Philly is doing. You know, they they've been looking for a goaltender since Pelly Lindbergh, and or actually Hextall. Give you Hextall, uh, but. You know, as far as uh, the Knights, you know, they're, uh, they're looking for an identity again. I mean, after being announced by Colorado, I, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't Montreal, know. Who, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I thought the same thing. I thought the Coyotes did an exceptional job, and especially Bill Armstrong, to be able to do what he did. I mean, uh, that trade that he made to get back into the first round, there were a lot of people in Arizona that were really upset over trading Oliver Ekman Larson and, and certainly Connor Garland, but yes. uh, he quickly made up for it. He got that, that first round pick. He got more players and more picks as well. And then uh, to start the second round, like I said uh, during our recap show for, for Bill Armstrong to go out and get uh, Josh Doan. And for anybody that thinks that it was uh, in-house family, whatever, uh, both Bill Armstrong and Shane Doan have come out and said, hey, Shane wasn't anywhere near our room when we discussed Josh. He always recused himself from the room. So uh, Shane was generally surprised uh, when they well, announced that. He, so he was. Because he, yeah. he did an interview about it and said that he, left, he, he was, wasn't in the room when they made the decision. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or had discussions about him at any time right. in the in the past. Right. So uh, it was just left off the table when Shane was around. They didn't discuss it. And, and that's really a classy move, I think. But I think he sold a lot of tickets, no matter how Josh performs or uh, whatever down the road. And for all the people that are saying he's not going to play at Arizona State, he's going to go to Kamloops, that's not <laughs> happening. He's no, staying at Arizona State. <laughs> yeah, and he's probably going to be there two, three, maybe he'll be there a full four years. And then he's going to become an instant icon when he gets to the NHL. So we'll watch his development. We'll see what happens. So I think they were winners. I really like what Columbus did. I thought they did some uh, really good things with their three picks. Um, uh, as far as the college hockey side of things, who isn't excited to watch Michigan if all of them come back? And I think uh, other than Maddie Beneers, I think everybody is coming back 100%. Uh, Maddie, the money might be just too good and the temptation just too good when you're, you're going to a, a new franchise like Seattle to where he may decide to go. But we'll see what happens. I think also, Rob, a lot of people were saying, you know what? If you're if you're a kid that's got a college scholarship on the line, and you get drafted anywhere, go back, play at least a year of college, experience it, get better, and then uh, and then go on to your NHL career. I, I agree with that. You have that you have that uh, availability to you. Take advantage of it, and because co the college life, there's something about the college life, and especially at the D1 level. And if you're a college athlete at the D1 level, your your life's pretty good for the most part and take advantage of that, get bigger, but get stronger and then, and then be ready, really ready when you, when it's your turn to take the next step to the NHL level. May I throw in exhibit a Kale McCarr? Uh, he went all the way to the frozen four national championship game. Then he moved on uh, to, uh, to the Colorado avalanche. And right now this weekend, he just signed a, uh, $54 million deal, $9 million a year, I yep. think, for six years. Yep. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, that, that's okay. That's okay to do that. Uh, so I think it helps both ways. I think it helps uh, strengthen the college game, and I think it produces a better player when they come out. And like I said, uh, talking to Todd, it, it looks like uh, the NCAA game has equaled uh, Quebec Major Junior or whatever uh, Major Junior program you're talking about in Canada. Um, they're pretty similar right now. I think it, they're very similar, and I would have to give the edge to the NCAA because they offer the education as well. So, it, you know, I know it's a lot of kids want to be professionals, but it offers you an education and a chance to play top-notch hockey and a chance to win a national championship in the NCAA before going on to the NHL. 
So it, it offers a, to me a little bit more. I understand there are kids, honestly, like my son, who would much rather just go, if he can go pro, go pro so he doesn't have to worry about the school end. Yeah, I mean, every kid is different. There's no yes. doubt about it. But if you can get your education and get it paid for, why not, right? I mean, it's just an extra bonus the way I see it. You don't take any real, uh, you know, the competition at the uh, NCAA Division One level is so good that you're not taking any steps backwards, I don't think. It, it used to be that, you know, depending on what league you were in or who, you're, uh, who was on your schedule, yeah, you might have some cupcakes, if you will. But not anymore, I mean uh, – Paul Hornstein and I have gone over the the uh, raw, um, schedules for our teams that we cover in the NCAA, and uh, you're hard-pressed to find any team that would be soft in that schedule for whether it be Arizona State, Denver, Colorado College, or Air Force. Well, just look at how many college kids got drafted. That tells you right there that these NHL teams see the value in the NCAA because they're drafting them. So they're not just coming from the Quebec major. That's not all coming from uh, overseas. There's a lot of kids being drafted, and that shows you the talent level compared to 5, 10, and 15, 20 years ago. Absolutely. Okay, I want to end this on a bit of a somber note. Um, first, I've been, I've been meaning to say this, and shame on me for not getting out there. My old college roommate, Tom Curvers, who passed away uh, earlier um, this month, uh, from uh, brain cancer, which is just a horrible thing. Uh, kudos to the Minnesota Wild and Bill Guerin for bringing in Tommy's uh, four kids, his two sons and his two daughters, and letting his mm -hmm. two sons make their first two picks. Uh, I class, thought that was a really class act. Class act. And, and I just haven't said it enough, and that's, uh, that's my bad. I, I should have been all over that. So many things going on. But, again, a shout-out to the Minnesota Wild. And then staying in Minnesota, uh, the tragic news of uh, late – uh, Saturday night, the loss of Mac Motzko, uh, Bob Motzko's uh, head coach at the University of Minnesota. His, uh, his son, 20-year-old son, killed in a car crash. Um, life is fragile. Um, and what I was most um, comforted by, I guess, and I'm not uh, obviously affected about it like everybody in Minnesota is, but Everybody in the hockey community has reached out. The NCAA community, every team, every organization in, um, in hockey has reached out to the Motskos to express their condolences. And, you know, anytime you lose a young life, it's a bad deal. But when you lose it away like that, um, it, it's just uh, really difficult, really hard to take. Uh, being a parent, being a parent of two drivers, my daughter was telling me, Dad, I got to hang up because I was heading onto the freeway. She was heading onto the freeway. You know, I get that. And it's my my thoughts and prayers go out to the family. Uh, nothing worse than that type of news. Uh, but the hockey community, you saw it with Humboldt. You saw it with so many times the sticks out. And I'm I'm look, waiting on Twitter for for the sticks out for him, uh, because that's the the hockey community does. They band together like no other community. Every every sports community will say it, but no one bands together like the hockey community. You know, and uh, I threw this out last night because. Uh, you know, when something like this tragically happens, sometimes you've seen something similar in the past and it kind of jars uh, your memory, almost like PTSD or something. But right. uh, 35 years ago, um, up in northern Minnesota, a little town of Bemidji, um, they had a fantastic young hockey player that was drafted in the first round by the Calgary Flames by the name of George Palawa. And if you can think of this, uh, Rob, 18 years old, 245 pounds, uh, could skate, 
uh, in high school, I actually physically saw George at one point uh, drive some uh, poor soul right through the glass at a high school <laughs> hockey game. Um, and I'm not kidding. He sent him into the first row and right. shattered the glass on a body check. Uh, he had a full ride at North Dakota. He had just gone to North Dakota for his first week of orientation, came back to Bemidji for uh, the uh, Labor Day weekend. Um, his son, uh, his brother was not paying attention, ran a stop sign. They got broadsided and uh, George was killed just like that. And it was as tragic as uh, Mac, Mot- Mac Motzko uh, this weekend, uh, who was in the backseat of a car traveling at a high rate of speed. They, they think alcohol may have played a role as well. And in Minnesota, there's a lot of trees. And I uh, went off the road, struck a lot of trees, and uh, you don't have much of a chance on that end of it. So two, no. two stories. If you get a chance to look up George Palawa, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, he was known as a gentle giant and never got a chance to, to fulfill any of his lifelong dreams, as will uh, uh, be Mac Motzko as well and, and we wish uh, everything and all the best and all the healing process for the, the Motsko family and of course the Gopher family and uh, St. Cloud State family, St. Cloud Cathedral, all those places, Sioux Falls, even where he was playing now in New Mexico, um, everybody was touched by it. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are out. Yes, our thoughts and prayers and you know, may his memory be just nothing, bringing bring nothing but smiles. Absolutely. I'll let you take it away on that note, and we will say goodnight from another uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Summer Skates. Fall? Winter? Doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Whether it's the Long Bar or the Andy Amo Steakhouse, we are more than just great game in action. Book your spot at VD.com. Boost Mobile, where all plans include a mobile hotspot and America's largest 5G network for less. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or inline. See the website for our Three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems to t- like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Refine your drive with M-Drive. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on the TuneIn app. Hey, Alexa, turn on my ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Resort and, C- Resort and Casino, is a part of IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Our thanks again to uh, Todd Burgess, the newest, one of the newest members of the uh, Manitoba Moose, for joining us tonight. Uh, Rob, here's your, here's your homework assignment before next week. Um, we're going to talk AHL schedules, players, movement, all that stuff. We also have the, uh, the, uh, free agency period opening up on Wednesday for the NHL. So, uh, real heavy AHL stuff next week on professional weekly, uh, professional hockey Southwest weekly. Easy for me to say <laughs> the professional talker. We will say good night with a little, uh, Roger Klein and the peacemakers. De Niro. Good night, everybody. <laughs>